0: Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul was going through it. He was imprisoned. He was suffering persecution. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But he said, I desire that ye faint not. That's not a reason for us to drop out and say, oh, things are so rough. Things are so hard. They're so difficult, so tough. I think I'll just give up. That's not what the Lord wants us to do. Amen. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened, strengthened, increased, in other words, with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We need that daily renewal, amen, of the Holy Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, Amen. I love that passage of Scripture. It's so positive. It's about what God wants to be and do through us. If we'll get out of the way and let Him bring all these possibilities to pass, there are many, many, many wonderful promises in God's Word for us to claim. His name was Eugene Bartlett, he was an old time gospel songwriter and singer. And uh, he had his own publishing company, and he was at the height of success. He had just sold 15,000 hymnals in 1939, when at 53 years of age, he was struck down with a stroke. He had been very successful. He was famous in his day. He would have been like the Bill Gaither of his day. But he had a stroke. He had two sons. And they watched what he would do. During those days when he was paralyzed, God spoke to his heart. He took pen in hand and he wrote these words. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. The great song that we finish out all of our services here at Central Baptist Church was written by a man who had just been struck down by a stroke and was paralyzed in the prime of life. And yet, he saw through special eyes. God gave him a vision for that which was, what? Positive. How many of us said tonight we're going to be positive? Amen. He was positive. He was positive. His son... His son, who also became famous, and we'll talk about him a little bit more. His son, uh, whose name was Gene, Gene, all right, his son uh, was a writer of, of songs as well. And he was a song leader, and he had gone out into a meeting some years later. And at that meeting, the evangelist had preached his heart out, but nobody came forward. And so in the midst of the invitation, Gene, his son, said, I'm going to take Dad's song and I'm going to sing it. And he introduced it to this crowd for the first time. Now, they were good people, but no one was responding at the invitation. He began to sing, I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory. And it's like a holy hush came over that place. And the Spirit of God moved on that crowd. Before he finished the three verses and choruses of that song, 50 people had come forward to get right with God. That's how the Spirit of God used a song from a paralyzed dad who refused to look at the stroke and the limitations. Instead, looked at the positives, and look what God did. Would you turn with me tonight to number 341? 341, number 341 in our hymnal. We're going to sing the first and the third stanzas of victory in Jesus. Thanks be to God,
1: which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sing with me now. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory how he gave his life on calvary to save a wretch like me i heard about his groaning of his precious blood atoning then i repented of my sins and won the victory oh victory in jesus my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. And the third stanza, I heard about a mansion, oh yes, he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there. The song of victory sing it out now oh victory in jesus my savior forever he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me ere i knew him and all my love is to him He plunged me to victory Beneath the cleansing flood.
0: Our Father, we thank You that You can take a defeat and turn it into victory. Mm -hmm. Thank You, Lord, for what You've done in our heart and life, the difference that You've made. And I pray that this year, 2022, As we get started on something brand new, you might do a a work of renewal in our heart. Give us great victory here. We're counting on you, Lord. We know that you can, and we're trusting that you will in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. amen and amen. I love the Word of God. I love the scriptures, and you know that. I'm a Bible preacher. We have said so often that the book of Acts is the blueprint of the New Testament church. And we want to have a book of Acts church in every possible way. In Acts chapter 2 and in verse 42, after these folks were saved on the day of Pentecost, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They had their right teaching." And fellowship, they were getting along with each other, working cooperatively, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, they were praying. Church and fear came upon every soul. That's reverential respect and fear. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, as promised, of course. And all the believe were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Think about that. They were meeting the needs of folks helping one another, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. That phrase, one accord, with one accord, occurs over and over. And breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. We need a renewal of gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, such as should be saved. I got to say, we need to be the church in 2022. We need to be like that great church. Now, unfortunately, they kind of settled down. They didn't get going like they were supposed to. And over in chapter 8, after Saul of Tarsus had had, uh, uh, wreaked havoc in their midst and persecution was coming their way, they were scattered. And it says in verse number 4 of Acts chapter 8, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. There it is. Went everywhere preaching the word. The word that uh, that church was a church that was set on fire by the Lord and praise God for it, set on fire. And I want you to turn to number 319 in your book. This is the son of the dad that was paralyzed, and he went by Gene Bartlett. This is the son of the father uh, of the man that wrote Victory in Jesus. Well, the son wrote. Set my soul afire, number 319. Let's sing it together, just the first verse and chorus.
1: We want that fire from above. Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy holy word. Burn it deep within let your voice be heard millions grope in darkness in this day and hour i will be your witness fill me with thy power set my soul afire lord Set my soul afire, make my life a witness of thy saving power. Millions grope in darkness, waiting for thy word. Set my soul afire, Lord, set my soul afire. A
0: fire. amen. And while we've had missionaries who've retired, those that have passed on this year, those that are uh, struggling with what would be called a terminal illness even as we speak, we continue to support their widows, the works, and uh, the churches that have been started here and around the world. I think of Bobby Brindle paralyzed in that wheelchair right now. What a great work he did for God among a forgotten group, a group that's almost invisible. Now, I know it's hard to to not see the little people, but they're called the little people because they're under a certain height and uh, they fall into several categories, but they just know that they're perhaps ostracized or stared at or mistreated, maybe bullied when they're growing up and coming through school. Bobby said he was and he was very bitter. As a result of that, he said, I'll show them. And he became a millionaire in his 20s. And then God got a hold of him, and he became a preacher. And he's been preaching all these years, driving up and down the highways, had specially built vehicles so that he could drive. He had a tent that he would put up. One time he was down in the deep south, and a hurricane was blowing in, and the tent was about to blow away. And... uh, Uh, The preacher said, Bobby, we got to go out there, and we got to grab those ropes and hold it down. And Bobby said, what do you think a midget's going to be able to do, you know, holding down that tent? But anyway, God has kept him all these years. We continue to support him, even though he's in that wheelchair and paralyzed. His wife, Kathy, is in the beginnings of dementia, and so he's got some challenges. But thank God for all of our missions projects each and every one of them. I believe God's hand is on them. And we need to have our souls set on fire for soul winning and for missions as never, ever before. I have some items here I want to share with you tonight. I have from some retired missionaries that uh, previously were supported but now have gone into full retirement, ask that our that our money be sent to others, which it has been to others in the same field. But they say another year is quickly coming to a close. We are another year closer to our Savior's return. Another year closer to the wrath of God being poured out in judgment on this wayward world. After all that happened in 2019 and 2020, throughout the pandemic, perhaps in our quarantine frustration, we thought that 2021 would be better. Why would we think such a thing? Perhaps it is because we always live in hope of better days. Amen, we do. And when better days ahead are not, and any, any better than the bad days behind, we still look for better days ahead. Amen. So those are retired missionaries who've been through a lot. They're looking for better days, and praise the Lord. Uh, this is written by Pastor William Burroughs, who is the pastor of the church where the Fellowship uh, Tract uh, League is based up in Ohio. And he said, recently I came across an article of an individual who was shopping in an antique store and found a stack of love letters that never got delivered from World War II. It goes on to tell about John courting a young lady, Ruth, and uh, he got shipped out. And uh, from the battlefield or from wherever he was able to send a letter back to her, he said, if I get back alive, I want to propose marriage. Uh, If I get back alive, I want us to, to, to share this love together forever. Well, the letter never got delivered. And when he got back home, she'd married somebody else. That marriage lasted 50 years. And then this letter was delivered to the lady who was now a young, not a young, but a a recent widow. And she said, well, John loved me. I wonder how John is. And she tracked him down. He was in the cemetery. He died. And you say, what a shame, what a sad story. Preacher, you're telling us a sad story doesn't have a happy ending. No, but it does have a lesson for us. God wrote a love letter. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That love letter is to be delivered to the whole world. We have the privilege of doing that in this year of 2022. I want us to have our souls set on fire. I want us to be like that first church. And the reason we can be like that first church, we're going to talk about that some more, is because the one on whom we focus and the one who has done everything for us never changes. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers or different and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Dr. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, a great preacher of the gospel and a promoter of missions in the past, said this, God is not looking for extraordinary characters as His instruments but he is looking for humble instruments through whom he can be honored throughout the ages. He's looking for us, folks. He's looking for us. Turn to number 358. Number 358. Let's sing yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same. The first and the third, please.
1: Sing it now. Oh, how sweet the glorious message simple faith may claim. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Still He loves to save the sinful, heal the sick and lame. Cheer the mourners, still the tempest, glory to His name. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. And the third. He who mid the raging billows walked upon the sea, still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. He who wept and prayed in anguish in Gethsemane, drinks with us each cup of trembling in our agony. Sing it now. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to His name. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's always the same.
0: One of my mentors wrote this. The characteristics of the early church given in the book of Acts as our example show us that most churches today are in great contrast. He says, thank God for all exceptions, but we ought to be a Book of Acts church. Let's be the church. Let's truly be the church. Spirit-filled, on fire, serving the Lord with gladness. It was a church of one accord. It was a witnessing church. It was a Holy Spirit-filled or governed church. It was a praying church. It was a church where the Word of God was preached. It was a soul-winning church. It was a teaching church. It was a giving church. It was a missionary church. It was a persecuted church. It was a loving church. It was an obedient church. May this be the year that we are that book of Acts church. And of course, while Jesus never changes, he's still sweeter every day. Now, can you explain that? How can it be that Jesus, who is God and cannot change, still becomes sweeter? The reason is because of the work of grace that's done in us. Are you listening to me? We're warned in the book of Hebrews not to allow a root of bitterness to spring up. But all the time we need to be watching for it because a root of bitterness will cause us to get sidetracked. We'll quit, we'll give up, we'll go the other direction or whatever. And we'll react in the flesh rather than according to God's perfect will. Our experience in sweetness depends on keeping ourselves in the love of God. In the love of Jesus Christ. Keeping ourselves away from bitterness. Away from pettiness. Away from the sidetracks of the devil himself. Over there in Ephesians where we read... In chapter 4, go on to chapter 4 and as we get close to that great, great conclusion which says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The verse just prior to that says this, let, and anytime the Bible says let, that means that God gives us the ability to do that. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, here it is, be put away from you with all malice. We need to put that away and keep ourselves from becoming so uh, uh, tainted by the world, the flesh, and the devil that we cannot experience the sweetness of Jesus Christ. He'll become sweeter and sweeter to us every day if, if we deal with the bitterness, if we're able to do that. I was reading in our church covenant Having been led, as we believe, by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, we do now, in the presence of God, angels, and this assembly, most joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk together in Christian love to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness and comfort to promote its prosperity and spirituality and then it goes on and talks about sustaining the purpose for which this church was established keeping this church from becoming something other than what God wants it to be. We've got to stay sweet. Stay keep sweet. Folks, I'm challenging you to truly be the church in 2022 and stay sweet. Keep sweet. Trim back on bitterness. Trim back on all of those things that would be sidetracks. Turn to number 334, number 334 in your Burgundy book, Jesus Is Still Sweeter Every Day. Let's sing the first.
1: to jesus every day i find my heart is closer drawn he's fairer than the glory of the golden purple dawn he's all my fancy pictures in its fairest dreams and more each day he grows still sweeter than he was the day before the half cannot be fancied this side the golden shore oh there be still sweeter than he ever was before. Sing the second. His glory broke upon me when I saw him from afar. He's fairer than the lily, brighter than the morning star. He fills and satisfies my longing spirit o'er and o'er. Each day he grows still sweeter than he was the day before. The half cannot be fancied this side, the golden shore. Oh, there, he'll still be sweeter than he ever was before. Well,
0: amen and amen. I love that. And tonight, truly, the Holy Spirit is drawing our attention to those areas of need, of greatest concern individually. We need to be looking at ourselves and not at everybody else around us and down the row in front of us, behind us. We need to be looking at ourselves and looking deep within through the searching eyes. Let the Holy Spirit search us and show what is necessary in order for us to be truly the church in 2022. I know what promises are mine. I've got some wonderful promises. Let's go back to the book of Romans for just a moment. The book of Romans in that fantastic eighth chapter. What a dynamic chapter. We have, just prior to it, of course, the seventh chapter in which Paul expresses his frustration in the flesh and uh, not having victory. But chapter 10 speaks, excuse me, chapter 8 speaks of the victory that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And uh, it says in uh, verse number 37, In all these things we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. How is it though? Through Him. Say through Him. Through Him that loved us. That's right. I can do all things, what? Through Christ. Say it, through Christ. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We've certainly got all the potential for victory in and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, I I believe that uh, Hale Reeves has said it correctly. He was a gospel song writer and his gospel song got into our standard hymnal. Praise God. Number 272, I'm on the winning side. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
1: Let's sing it together. Number 272. For once I drifted out in sin, had no hope nor joy within, and my soul was burdened down with pride. Then my Savior came along and he showed me I was wrong. Now I know I'm on the winning side. Well, I am on. I am on the winning side, out in sin, no more will I abide. I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right. Praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side. And the third stanza now, I will never have a fear, for my Lord is ever near. And in Him so often I confide. He's the keeper of my soul since I gave Him full control. And He placed me on the winning side. Sing it out now. Well, I am on the winning side. Yes, I'm on the winning side out in sin no more will i abide i've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right praise the lord i'm on the way let's sing that chorus one more time Here we go, well, well, I am on the winning side, yes, I am on the winning side, out in sin, no more will I abide, I've enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right, praise the Lord, I'm on the winning side, well, amen. And Amen. Good
0: singing tonight. We appreciate your your wholehearted uh, investment in the success of our singing tonight together as a group. It sounded good from here. And we truly are on the winning side. More than conquerors. You know that phrase, more than conquerors. Three words in English, but one word in Greek, the underlying text. And it basically says we're hyper-conquerors. We're hoopo, hyper, you know, sumo-conquerors through Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for that wonderful, wonderful truth. All right. We have a great cause. Greater than any other political, benevolent, or social cause known to man. And that cause is the cause of Jesus Christ through the local church. I'm a local church man because I understand that God didn't leave us here detached. When Jesus went back, He gave instructions and uh, endued with power the disciples so that now each and every one of us is indwelt by and we have the potential to be filled with and led by the Spirit of God. Isn't that great? We're not left dangling, disconnected, detached, but we're part of something greater than ourselves. It is the cause of Jesus Christ. This is not just a club or an organization. There are many, many, many different types of things to which a person could belong in this world, but nothing, nothing is more important than the work of Jesus Christ. We need to give ourselves wholly to intensely, dedicated and separated service for God. When you do that, you're not going to get the applause of mankind, just the opposite. Elijah was God's man, wouldn't you agree? Come on, amen? Elijah was God's man, but they called him a troubler in Israel. I guess that's what they'll call us, troublers. Paul was God's man, amen? Paul was God's man, but they called him a pestilent fellow. We only care about what God thinks of us. We look forward to Him saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. And I think about all the times in Ephesians chapter number 6 when the Scripture says, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. We have stand given over and over again. Why? Because God the Holy Spirit wanted it to become a part of our consciousness, part of the fabric of our very being so that we realized our spiritual posture is to be on our feet, to be on our toes, to be standing, to be moving, to be progressing. That's what he wants us to be thinking about. Not holding our own, not standing our ground, but moving forward and progressing in the battle for the Lord. It took Severe persecution by Saul, who would become Paul, to get that first church to start on the Great Commission, to leave Jerusalem and head out. And of course, they were scattered abroad, and they went everywhere preaching the Word. Jesus Christ had left them with these final words on the mountain before He ascended. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I've got all the power, guys. So with that power, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He was saying that each generation has the capacity to win their generation. That commission was for them. That commission is for us. It has not diminished. The demand is greater because we are now looking at eight billion souls that need the Savior. But I'm glad we shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon us, and we shall be witnesses in our Jerusalem and into all of our Judea and in our Samaria and unto the uttermost part of our world. God is making known His wisdom, but it's through the auspices of the local church. None other than Dr. Louis Sperry Schaefer, the great theologian at Dallas Theological Seminary, said this, By means of the church in the present age, God is now making known His wisdom and manifesting His grace in, in heaven. The church will eternally be the illustration of what the grace of God can do. We are becoming a living, breathing illustration of what God can do. This world is looking at what this world can be through us, through, the, through the, the mirror of our life, of our testimony. We've been told that we are to go and, and soul win and baptize them and, and then uh, teach them to observe the things that we've been commanded. And it's very easy for us to become beguiled. I'm going to be speaking on that next Wednesday evening from Colossians. But in 2 Corinthians it says, but I fear lest by any means that as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Here's the problem. We become so engaged on so many fronts. You know how the military is, is, is stretched thin. Right now we would be hard-pressed to engage the enemy on more than one front. And just think with Christians, Christians hiding out, Christians uh, fearing uh, to come out and win souls and fearing to gather as God has said that we should. Imagine if we were stretched thin, as I've mentioned it, and, and distracted rather than staying focused on the simplicity that is in Christ. God has blessed this institution, the local church. And uh, we get our post-salvation experience here. We get grounded here. We call this discipling a discipler. A a disciple is one who has been discipled by disciplers. And uh, that is, we've been shown by both word and by example, by precept, and by illustration, by very vivid uh, illustration, the truth of how we are to live this life for the glory of God. The church was designed to be generational. It was designed for us to not, not die off in, in say, 20 or 30 years' time, but instead to bring along the, the children and the teenagers and the young adults and the young families and and ground them in the faith. To win them to Christ. And ground them in the faith. And then everybody go out and win some more. And bring some more in and ground them. We are to teach our children to love church. To love this institution that was established by the one who gave himself. Like the, like the groom gives himself for the bride. We want to raise them up. To love every aspect of the church. And while some will go astray. There will be some who will not go astray. And as I was Talking with somebody, we don't want to talk about the failures. We don't want to talk about those that turn back, the Demases, but we want to talk about the Timothys and the Tituses, the ones who are successful. We do what we do for the glory of God because we're connected. The hands, the fingers, the arms, uh, the body, the torso, the the feet, and so on. Every, Every part of us is connected. We are part of a living operative body. And as such, we are a team. And we know that in and of ourselves, we're nothing in and of ourselves. There dwells no good thing within us. We know that we're just sinners saved by grace. But together, we can serve God and we can shine for His glory. And this year, we want to go and we want to grow and we want to glow for the glory of God. In 2022, I challenge each and every one within the sound of my voice. I'm challenging you to truly be the church in 2022. When they told those first Christians, the early disciples, to stop preaching in Jesus' name, I like their response. It is the response that we should give those who are trying to curb our activities through various uh, means in our society and by our government in our time. And that is, we should answer just like they answered. We ought to obey God rather than man. We refuse to stop. I meant it when I wrote this little chorus. We're thankful that God brought us together. Thankful our paths crossed and changed us forever. We've chosen to bear our cross. Did we really mean that when we sang it? Chosen to win the lost, no matter what, ever the cost. We're serving together. Are we? Will we? In 2022, if not, if not those suffering Baptists who died martyrs' death, when they are raised at the resurrection, will point a finger accusing us of dereliction of duty. Our Lord has told us through the pen of the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. We have no excuse. I fear... As I said tonight earlier to someone as we were speaking before the service, I fear that there are many excuses, but very few reasons. God help us. We need to be the church in 2022. We need to be a powerful praying church. And here's a motto for you. You can sink your spiritual teeth into this. Let me give you a motto. Here it is. First century powerful preaching is God's answer for 21st century problems. First century powerful preaching is God's answer for 21st century problems. Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. I'm saying we need to be taught to pray. We need to believe God. We need to get a hold of God. We need to be held by God. We need to have that relationship, that close communion, that that perfect order in God's house. It was the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy who said, you better get it all squared away. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15. If you come to the parsonage, you come to our house, step just inside in the entrance there off the kitchen and you'll, if you turn to your right, And look at the wall. There's a little placard. It says the in-house rules. And it says, you may not hop, skip, jump, run, hide, or snoop. You may sit still, read, talk quietly, smile, which will make us smile. If you need something, please ask us. Smiley face. That's intended for children. And what are we? We're developing as believers. And there is a way for us to behave ourselves. And I'm not talking about... Just stopping the kids from running and swinging from the chandeliers in church. I'm I'm talking about how we ought to comport ourselves out in a world that desperately needs what we've got. They need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have order, order and proper directions and guidance from the Holy Spirit. Let's always guard our attitude. Never allow bitterness or pettiness to take root. Never get used to the goodness of God. Always be thankful. Never lose the thrill and be drowned out by the world. There are some battles worth fighting. We need to choose our battles. We need to choose on which hill to die. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ needs to be selective, but the cause of Jesus Christ is worth our being true and giving Him our all. In the end, it says, as the Lord Jesus Christ began to teach hard and difficult things in John chapter 6, from that time many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. Why? Because the going got tough. And those that had not steeled themselves for the tough going dropped out. They quit. Demas hath forsaken me, Paul writes, having loved this present world. Demas had been doing a good work. He was commended. But there came a time when he fainted in the process. I want to challenge everyone. Challenge myself first according to the Word of God. May God help us to keep focused on the one who is sweeter and sweeter if our spirit is right. May we stay focused on the Word of God and stand upon the truth and make progress and never quit and never go back for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Nobody's looking. How many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something challenged me. Spoke to my heart. Amen. Amen. We need a renewal. We truly do just a moment, we're going to sing, but before we do, I would be remiss if I didn't offer an invitation. And so I'm doing right now. Those who may be listening, if you've never received Christ as Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you receive Christ as your Savior right now? Pray like this from your heart and mean it. Dear God, I admit that I'm a lost sinner. I need a Savior. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, why don't you step out and come and let me know? If you want to come and pray that 2022 may be that great year in which we are serious, sober about the things of God, we work cooperatively with the church and through the church for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand, turn to number 448